All right, so we're going to talk about the, the Super Bowl. Super Bowl 56, uh, Bengals and Rams. It happened in, in Los Angeles uh, in SoFi Stadium, the home of the Rams. So, of course, for this game, they were the visitors. Um, and it, was, uh, it wasn't like the, the greatest Super Bowl of all time, but it was a really fun Super Bowl. So uh, uh, I just thought we were going to talk about, you know, we're just going to talk about the game. Uh, we'll go through the game, and then we'll talk about some of the significant stories throughout. Uh, so, yeah. How are you, Noah? Dude, I'm great. Good, chilling. A good weekend for sports. How about you? It was a great weekend for sports. Uh, I'm okay because I'm not, like, dying no more. I can actually drink water without my heart rate shooting up to 150 beats per minute. Uh, yeah, intense. I was I was pretty, pretty bad there for a while. Um, all right, so let's just jump right into it. So I figured we'd start by recapping the game first, like we always do. So, um, so this game starts. Uh, Bengals, no Rams get the ball first. I think they go right down the field, score a touchdown. Odell Beckham Jr. gets a touchdown. Later on in the game, he eventually gets hurt, tears his ACL. So it's kind of upsetting to see, but at least he got a touchdown, and he's been just such a big part of this team. Um, then both teams just played really well. And, and Jamar Chase on maybe the first or second drive the, the Bengals had made like a crazy circus catch that led to their first field goal. Um, but that, that was mainly it for the first half, right? Like it ended up 13 to 10 going into halftime. And uh, how, oh yeah. How did the Bengals score a touchdown? You want to talk about that? Do you remember? The first quarter or are you talking about? The, yeah, the first half. Yeah. Uh, go, go ahead. So uh, they're running the ball decently well. They toss the ball back to uh, Joe Mixon, and he throws it in the end zone for a touchdown. You remember oh, that? Okay. Yeah, no, I saw the highlight, but I didn't watch the first half, so I was trying to remember it. But I watched all the second half. But the first half, yeah, I heard it was a very good defensive game. Um, we had people over eating dinner, so I was kind of like half watching. But once the halftime came, I went back and watched the second half. But, uh, yeah, the first half just seemed like it was really good defensive games. Uh, I thought defensive played throughout good throughout the whole – practically a whole game because I predicted it was going to be a very high scoring game. I thought it was going to be like low 40s, high 30s. That was my prediction. So um, low scoring game. Uh, I really thought the Bengals were going to like just have a shootout and like the Rams defense is really good. Like I underestimated the Rams this whole year, man. Even when my dad caught it, said they were one of the most talented teams in the league. Of course, they picked up Von Miller, Odell Beckham. And that was kind of the story of the first half. Odell Beckham, you know, getting a touchdown and then going out. Now he tore his ACL. Big news. Going to have a long offseason, but other than that, man, yeah, the, the first half, that's – that's I got to go watch that Joe Mixon play again. I saw the highlight, but that was just – that's crazy, man. Well, it, it was just – I'm sorry. I didn't realize you didn't uh, pay too much attention to the first half because I kind of put you on the spot there. I totally oh, forgot good, about the play myself. Well, because what happened was when I'm watching the game at this moment – sorry, I'm talking a lot. It's starting to hurt my neck. Um, <laughs> I, this is the most I've talked in a week. Um, so uh, they're running the ball decently well. And, but it's like second down and goal and they do this toss to Mixon. And I'm like, what are you doing? Why are you running the ball here? Throw it. You have Burrow. And then Mixon just all of a sudden throws it in the back of the end zone for a touchdown. It's, and you see it, all the defense goes right down. They're all going to play the run and it leaves the guy wide open in the end zone. It was just beautiful play. I thought the Bengals were very like, not afraid. They were going for it on fourth down they doing the trick plays to score a touchdown. Uh, they they went in this game wanting to win. So I yeah, thought it was interesting. Very aggressive play by Bengals. And uh, their head coach, a big reason for that, you know, I, I like young head coach, good. Both good young head coaches. Sean McFay talking retirement talks, which to me was, I was, you know, we can get to that later. I was kind of crazy to hear, like, that kind of talk. But, um, yeah, the first half, I, uh, I didn't really watch too much of it. But from what I heard, it was a good defensive game. Yeah, yeah. I, I was extremely impressed by both defenses. Um, and so then we get to the halftime show. Of course, this is Super Bowl, so the halftime show is very big, very important. The uh, the commercials are supposed to be very big, very important. Me personally, I don't, I never care about the, the commercials, and I usually don't care about the the halftime show. This year, I kind of enjoyed the halftime show. What do you think? Uh, yeah, I'm I'm not gonna be too critique on it. It it, it was it wasn't bad, you know. Eminem sang one sang one of his classic songs, Dr. Dre and Snoop Dogg sang some of their classics. I wasn't big too big on Barry J. Blige. Or Bl I don't even know how you say her last name, but I wasn't obliged. I wasn't too big on her. Uh, but other than that, you know, it was de it was decent. You know, I mean, one of the 
one of the better ones for sure. You know, I mean, we've seen some some crazy ones or people that I'm not interested in, but it was it was a pretty good one. But you know, I'm, I'm never too big on the halftime shows, but it was it was all right. No, I never am either. I, I usually yeah. actually like when, back when I lived at home, that would be when I actually went and ate food is during the halftime show because I never cared. This year I live by myself. I'm sick. I'm going to watch it. And uh, same with last year, but last year I didn't like the show. Um, I, I just love Snoop Dogg. So at, at the moment that he's there, I'm just like, yep, this is, this is great. And then yeah. when uh, Mary Jane Blige was uh, doing her part, the stream that I was watching cut out. So I didn't get oh, to watch her. Yeah. Um, but when 50 Cent came in, though, I thought that was just really funny. All yeah, the yeah, that, was, that was weird. <laughs> yeah, that was well, weird. Because my favorite one was uh, it showed like 50 Cent hanging down because it's like based off that music video. And but they got him hanging down and it's like a fat dude, though. And it's like 75 Cent. And he's like, uh, I got to read it. I got to read it. It's so funny because it's like we're we're going to the buffet instead of uh, the club. Yeah. And Kendrick Lamar was there, too. Yeah. He's another one I forgot to mention the fifth one. Go shoddy. It's a buffet. <laughs> I've yeah. been singing that song just like that for the last like 12 hours. Just so you instead know. of it's your birthday. In, instead of it's your birthday, I've been saying it's a buffet and then replacing every time it's your birthday with it's a buffet. Yeah. Uh I needless to say the memes were hilarious. All right. So let's get to the second half, right? So the very first play, uh Ramsey, Jalen Ramsey falls down. And well, actually, is this the play where there was a pass interference that was kind of missed? Are you talking about, yeah, right after the first half? Yeah. That was a terrible no call. Yep. And so Ramsey kind of gets pushed out of the way. It's touchdown right away, no call. There was only two penalties up to this point. There was like a, a false start, and then there was a legal celebration with the Bengals, where the guy off the bench who wasn't even starting ran in and, and was celebrating. But yeah. uh yeah, so only two penalties up to that point until the very end of the game. But uh, so then we go touchdown. And then the very next play, Matthew Stafford throws the ball. It's tipped. It's intercepted. And then the Bengals score a field goal. And all of a sudden, it's 20 to 13. And the Rams eventually score a field goal to make it 20 to 16. But the defense is, if, if we thought they were playing good in the first half, they shut down. The defensive lines took over in this game. Joe Burrow oh, was yeah, sacked yeah. seven times. I don't know how many times Matthew Stafford was sacked, but he was sacked a decent amount. Uh, yeah, so what, were you going to say something? Oh, no, I was going to say, like, just the, the momentum shift right off the bat, the second half when I started watching, like, for the Bengals was crazy. The no call, I was, I, like, I was, I was passionate about it because I was like, how in the Super Bowl do you miss a call so bad? Like, like you did not see a face pack. And, and then they just kicked the extra point so quick with, like, the protesting that was going on and then so they aren't able to challenge it or they aren't review it anymore which is crazy there needs to be better officiating in such a crucial game and a crucial moment but other than that man then the interception was huge like in and out of the hands up in the air right into the defender um was huge for the Bengals, and then getting a field goal up by uh seven instead of being down in the game or up getting them a chance to take the lead again was was crazy so just the momentum shift was right off the bat for the for the Bengals was crazy but um uh I, I to me what i was going to say earlier i forgot to say was if the NFL, anyone from the NFL can hear me, stop having a Super Bowl where the home team is at and then they're in the game. That is so weird to me. It's so unfair. I'm not saying it's why they won the game, but to have a team playing in the Super Bowl in their own stadium, it's just like, I don't get, I don't get that. Like, I mean, like, it should be on a fair ground. That's the whole point of a Super Bowl. It's not in the AFC or NFC side. It's in, you know, a mutual, I don't know how you feel about it, but it should be in a mutual place. Like, they should have two places at the beginning of the year or three to where the Super Bowl could be at. And if the teams are in it, it goes elsewhere. Because I just thought uh, a lot of L.A. fans there, um, just, I don't know, to me, it's just like they need to be in a mutual place. And, and I definitely have thought about that before. Of course, this is two years in a row where the home team uh, is in the Super Bowl. Yeah. I, think the, I think the problem with that is just that they decided so early in the season. Exactly. Like, you know, we're going to play at Tampa Bay. And then Tom Brady shows up in Tampa Bay and takes them to the Super Bowl. And, yeah. oh, we want to have SoFi. It's a new stadium. We want to host the Super Bowl there. And then all of a sudden the, the Rams trade for Stafford and get uh, Von Miller and get Odell Beckham Jr. Go to the Super Bowl. So, yeah. And there was a chance where it could have been – I think it would have been okay this year if we had the Rams and the Chargers in the Super Bowl. I thought that would be really cool. because Yeah, was, oh, that's true. Yeah, if it's like a mutual – like, yeah. 
that I thought would be cool, but you know, in general, yeah, it's a bad, it's, it's kind of sucks. But then again, like, you know, there's never going to be a time where the Steelers are at home or the bears are at home because uh-huh. they're never going to have a Super Bowl in an outside stadium in a cold city though. Yeah. So it's always going to be like the Miamis or the Minnesotas with the dome, you know? And then, so just another team's going to end up getting lucky again. And I think it's, it's really a system that can't really be fixed because uh, unless they do like, we're going to do the Super Bowl at Dallas every year. We're going to do the Super Bowl at like a new site we build in California. Yeah. To me, it's just like, yeah, to me, it's like, I guess a new site, maybe just where the Super Bowl is, that could be a waste of space. So I think they should give out like three potential places where it's going to be at. And then like, let's say one of the three teams don't even make the playoffs. Like when the playoffs are officially, it's going to be held there. The first team to get smacked off, it's officially, you know what I mean? Like give three places and like, I don't know. And then maybe like, I, I know what you're saying though, because they give it so early for people to know where it's going to be at and prepare themselves. But at the same time, like to me, I just think like the last two years, the home team had taken advantage of it and won the game. Fan base was there. Majority had the fan base was there. And it's just like a home game. It's not like a Super Bowl uh, mutual game. But I'm not saying that's why the Rams won at all. So, but 100%, like it, it's beneficial to the team. No, that's a, that's a great idea. I know we're diverging from the game right now, but that's a great idea doing, having like three stadiums, pick three stadiums. Mm-hmm. And then whoever doesn't make this playoffs. And if all three of them make it, then you just always have a fourth one that's like not named. Yeah. Like if if you know Miami, all the Florida teams are picked. Like has there been a Super Bowl in Jacksonville? Like right. <laughs> so let's let's do that. That's a great idea. Um, so get to back getting back to the game though. Uh, I said the defensive lines kind of took over the game. And you see this manifesting with Matthew Stafford getting hurt. And you were like, oh, no. And then the very next drive, or maybe two drives later, Joe Burrow gets Burrow. hurt. And that looked bad. Matthew Stafford was able to get up and jog off the field. Burrow got up, and I thought he tore his ACL again. And I was so nervous because I was like, I don't care who really wins the game, but, like, you know, I love Joe Burrow. Like, he was my best quarterback under 25. He can't tear his ACL again. It'll ruin his career. And so – I was so nervous for him, but he just got back in the game. And uh, I, I, I kind of figured he would, him and Stafford both. Like, it's the biggest game of both of their lives. They're going to play. But uh, just the defensive lines took over that game. Yeah, Aaron Donald especially, man. He, he was looking like a beast the whole game, a crucial play at the end of the game. Um, but, yeah, I really think that uh, the there's a lot of injuries for this game. It's such a big game. Like, a lot of injuries, like scary moments with OBJ from to Matthew Stafford to Joe Bur- I was going to bring that up, too about how they both like back to back in the second half both look like they're serious injuries could potentially take him out of the game. And they both strong players, no way they're going to get out of there, man. Joe Burrow, young player and Matthew Stafford, so much to prove uh, first year at LA out of Detroit, but I'm glad no serious injuries. Of course, OBJ had a serious injury ACL tour, but he got the Super Bowl win. So he's happy and got his ring in the end. So, but yeah, Rams, this was a pretty good Super Bowl. Uh, I didn't watch the first half, decent, decent second half, other than the terrible no call. And like you said, not really a big flag game, but at the end, they started coming left and right, especially at that goal line stand. Like they started coming after every play towards the end of the fourth quarter. But yeah, the no calls, just that to me, that was terrible. Yeah. And, and I was just going to mention briefly, like it was kind of a Hollywood finish. A lot of people were saying that, you know, the Rams get the ball with about six minutes left and they, they have a five minute drive. It was a great drive. It was like 15 plays. Uh, they get that uh, Cooper Cup got going. He had five touches on the drive, had one rush for like a three or four yard gain to get the first down on fourth and one. Uh-huh. Had four catches, had the touchdown, uh, got the penalties at the goal line. A couple of them were, uh, all, there was two of them, I think, at the goal line that made it fresh downs. So exactly. they had plenty of chances to score a touchdown. Um, and they, they do get one, but there was still time on the clock. And so that's where we get back to the defense. Aaron Donald, just like you said, Noah, shut the game down at the last drive for Joe Burrow. They had no chance. Mm-hmm. And, and I thought the, the actually the first flag they threw in the Bengals where it gave them a first down, I thought that was just a bad call as well. I didn't think it looked like it was nothing. But then the next call, he was, it was I thought it was easily holding. I don't know how you viewed it. But I thought the first one should have been a no call, which would have led to fourth and goal, I think, which would have been huge. And I think the next one, you know, gave him a first down. Then right away, second goal gives him another first down. That one was a hold. But I feel like the first one, it should have been fourth and goal. Whether they would have got it or kicked a field goal, who knows? But um. yeah, and if you don't give the first one, you're probably not going to see the second one anyway. But 100%. The first one I, I thought was a little bit iffy. The second one was 100% a penalty. Uh, so 
they at least got one right. You know, you can't get that one wrong. But again, you know, if, if they got the penalty right with the touchdown at the beginning of the half, there's no problem. The Rams are already winning. Or yeah, no, yeah. it would have been, yeah, it would have been 16-13. So it's just, it's referees making their name known even when they don't call a lot of penalties. All right, so the Rams won, obviously. I want to talk a little bit about the aftermath here. Um, so I was just happy to see people like Matthew Stafford, Eric Weddle, uh, Andrew Whitworth, uh, and Aaron Donald. I think all of those guys really deserved a ring, and I'm so happy to see them all win it. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, it, I mean, obviously there's players on the Bengals that deserved a ring too, but those are the guys I wanted to shout out. And then uh, retirement. I know you said it earlier at the show with uh, their coach, McVay, but Weddle, he's done. Whitworth, he's 40 years old. He's probably done. Uh, Aaron Donald, that's a big question. I seriously doubt he's retiring, right? I don't think he's, yeah. He's in the prime of his career. He's not retiring. Nah, yeah, I, I mean, he really won the Super Bowl. He, he got it for his career, really what he was missing. But I still think he comes back. He's still got a lot of football and heart left in him. But yeah, Wentworth and Weddle, I think, are both going to be done. Weddle is done. Wentworth, yeah. I think, is going to be done. And uh, McVay, I don't think he'll be done either. I think that's all just talk and rumors. But maybe, like, I saw an article that said a lot of coaches are in my, my sort of new trend were retiring a lot younger but I mean coaches why would you retire younger if you, if you love what you're doing just won a Super Bowl got a talented team if Stafford stays you know and Donald stays so good catches on each side so I think he'll be back well McVay is literally the youngest quarterback or quarterback coach <laughs> to ever win and then just to retire there's no right? way he'll yeah. he'll at least do a couple more years he mentioned wanting to do stuff on TV so maybe he coaches until like Stafford retires and then he goes on to TV. Well, I could see that. Like maybe Stafford has three years left. Stafford's been in the league for 13 years. So if he plays like two or three more years and then McVay retires, I guess, I guess that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But uh, there's no way he retires now. Same with Donald. Um, uh, okay, so there was a guy from the Quad Cities who played for the Rams. And I wanted to bring him up. I don't know if you know him, Noah. His name is uh, Jake Gervas. And he was a, he lived in the Quad Cities, we're from the Quad Cities, Quad Cities, uh, that'd be Davenport, Bettendorf, Moline, Rock Island in uh, Illinois and Iowa. And he's from Davenport. He went to Assumption High School, which is like a, like a Catholic high school. And um, he played for the University of Iowa, the university I go to. And then he was a uh, undrafted rookie. Uh, he'd been in the league for a couple of years. Nobody was really picking him up. He was on a couple of practice squads. He got put into the active roster for the Rams and played throughout the playoffs and got a Super Bowl ring. I thought it was just, it's kind of an interesting story to bring up. Oh, definitely. Um, so there, there was that uh, for us, you know, that's pretty cool. You don't see that too much for the quad cities. Um, and then I want to bring up uh, Cooper cup who won the triple crown this year and then also won the Super Bowl MVP. The only guy who's ever done that before is Jerry Rice. And Cooper Cup did it all in the same season. So it's insane. Yeah, and Cooper Cup had a special year and was the best receiver in the league by far. So, I mean, yeah. he, he, he deserves a lot of everything he's pretty much getting this year and got a Super Bowl ring on top of it. And he's going to be special for years to come. Uh, and I really do like Cooper Cup and Stafford. And Stafford, I wouldn't say he's like one of the – he's a great quarterback, but he's not even – I wouldn't say he's top five, you know. Like, and for him to do that with Matthew Stafford, which still is a great quarterback, you know, I, that's just, I just think that even speaks more volume to Cooper Cup as well, how much he helped Stafford out in the Rams. Uh, and he's young, so he's got a lot more uh, stuff to prove as well. Well, we're going to talk about Stafford here, but really quick, the two best uh, seasons for wide receivers ever, both came out of the hands of Matthew Stafford. Calvin, Calvin Johnson, Johnson 1900 some, some odd yards. And uh, Cooper Cup, 1,900-some-odd yards. So I, I just think – I think Matthew Stafford, I've always thought he was a really good quarterback. He's always been the guy to uh, lead a lot of comebacks and win games. Yeah. Uh, so just for that alone, I wanted to ask the question to you. Do you think he's a Hall of Fame quarterback now? Yeah. The Super Bowl, I think, is icing on the cake. And like you said, the two seasons he had at Johnson and Cup both helped him out a lot. But I think he's a Super Bowl or a Hall of Fame quarterback, maybe not a first ballot but I think he'll eventually get the, the golden jacket. Yeah, I can see that. Maybe not a first ballot, but definitely in, this, definitely in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. He played 12 years for the Lions. 
and he did some good things for the Lions. He's obviously going to – he's their best quarterback of all time. Uh, he led a lot of comebacks. He had a lot of big plays, could never win in the playoffs. It's a team sport. And then one year with the Rams, he had three come-from-behind drives to or game-winning drives, and he had a perfect quarterback rating in the fourth quarter. And throughout the season, he never threw an interception in the fourth quarter. Like, that's just – that's to me, that's greatness. He had a great season. So, yeah. Uh, that's all I got for the Super Bowl, though. Yeah, Super Bowl, just like last final thoughts. Congrats to the Rams and Bengals will be back. I think if any team uh, was going to get it now was the Rams and Bengals will probably be back at least two more times within the next 10 years. But uh, they got a great young team, Jamar Chase, Joe Mixon, Joe Burrow, young head coach. So they'll be back. But the Rams, I think they, they, they kind of needed it now. Oh, yeah. Also, imagine being Jared Goff. All right. Welcome to the Down the Roads podcast. Uh, right now, we're going to start talking about the UFC fight card 271 uh, and just just as a quick aside we did a little podcast on it last week it was a really good show with uh, Noah and Tyler and I just wasn't around because I'm still recovering from being pretty sick so uh, it's fun to be back I watched the whole fight card and uh, we're going to start with the top three fights um, so obviously and when I say the top three fights I just mean the last three fights in the main card so we're talking about uh, Derek Brunson and Jared Cannonier. Uh, Tai Tuivasa, Derek Lewis, uh, Adesanya Whitaker. So we're going to start with those three fights. Those are the main three fights. Uh, let's get started with it right away, Noah. What do you think? Uh, let's so, start with uh, Derek Brunson and Jared Cannonier. This fight ended in a knockout in the second round for Cannonier. What did you see in this fight? So for this fight, man, um, Derek Brunson really dominated the first round. Um, he's been undefeated ever since he got his gold hair coming out with the new hairstyle. He's changed himself. Uh, He's been way better in his last couple of fights on a big win streak. He's been chasing Adesanya, but um, he came out and he executed his plan perfectly. He took him down a lot of uh, two, three times the whole uh, first round in the beginning of the second. And uh, he really just kind of controlled him for most and, and even got some good exchanges on the feet. But um, I think me and Tyler mentioned in the podcast that we talked about that he gasses out a lot. And I think that you kind of saw him get caught in the second round by Jared Cannonier. Um, his, he couldn't keep up with Jared's pace. Jared is just strong, big leg kicks, and uh, he just kind of took over. Once he caught Brunson in the second round, um, he really kind of bounced back and showed some good diversity. Uh, but he got found a way to get the job done. He hurt Brunson and was landing some crucial elbows on him in the second round. And the, even though Derek Brunson's corner threw in the towel, man, they knew that once Jared Cannonier gets you hurt and down, it's hard to bounce back. But but good resiliency from Jared Cannonier, and um, he deserves a title shot 100% next. Yeah, so – I thought this was an interesting fight, right? So right before it, uh, I was talking to my good friend, Kayvon, and he was saying that uh, he hates watching Derek Brunson fight because he thinks he's very boring. And and Brunson's the one, this is the fight where Brunson's just trying to nonstop take him down and control on the ground, right? Okay. So I was like, okay, well, I, I guess I'll, uh, I'll root for the other guy. I want to root for the underdogs. And then he's like, well, uh, Br- Brunson was the favorite, right? No. Kenanier was the favorite, I think. Um, so I was like, okay, well, I guess I don't really know who to root for at this point. Um, and yeah, it just, it played out exactly how he thought it would, where uh, Brunson was definitely controlling the first round, like you said. And then uh, he just kind of made himself tired and Kenanier just stuck with it, had some good uh, defense on the ground, right? And then uh, eventually knocked him out in the second round. So Yeah. And Jared deserves a title shot next, man. Adesanya is the champion, of course. Adesanya, if you look at the whole division, Adesanya has taken out literally just about everybody in the division. So Jared Cannonier is the one guy he hasn't fought. And Jared Cannonier is coming off the big win over Brunson, who was on like a five, six fight one streak before that. So, I mean, who else besides Jared Cannonier deserves a title shot? So it's going to, it got to be Adesanya and Jared next. But um, I just don't see, we could get to that in the future if that does happen, but I don't see Jared beating up Israel at all. I think that. Um, and we'll get to Whitaker and Asa in a minute, but I think those two are at the top of the division by far. But Brunson, man, um, he was talking. There were some talks about him if he beats Jared, fighting Adesanya, and then retiring. So I don't know what's next for Derek Brunson at this point. Um, if he really wants to retire, if he really still has the heart for it because he's been in the game for a while. But um, I don't know. This loss is, is going to be harder for, for Brunson than I think anybody that took a loss on this card. But we'll see how he uh, – we'll see what happens with Brunson. You know, you don't ever want to count him out, especially his – He's a new fighter now, but um, Jared Cannonier, man, yeah, he's going to get the title shot next, and if he doesn't, that's bizarre. Yeah, and, and for me, I mean, we can jump to the Adesanya fight first if you want, because, uh, you know, for whatever reason. But for for me, 
just Adesanya is just, I think he's already proven that he's leaps and bounds ahead of everybody in his division. Like he made that. Can we, can we jump to the Adesanya fight? Yeah. Okay. So in that fight with Whitaker, as I'm watching, so here's, here's the dynamic on this show. Noah knows a lot about UFC. I know very little. So I will give you my perspective as an outsider. And for me, uh, I, I was picking, I wanted the underdogs to win the whole fight card, but I like Adesanya. So I wanted him to win. And the first fight with Whitaker, he knocks him out in the second round. He knocked him down in the first round. Uh, this fight, uh, he knocks him down in the first round again, Adesanya Whitaker. And then uh, he just dominated from there, I think. He controlled the pace of the fight. Whitaker was able to take him down a couple times, but he had no time controlling him on the ground at all. He didn't land no sh- significant shots. Every time he threw his uh, solitary hand, his right it was his right hand, right? He, he got countered. So he was only jabbing the whole fight, right? And yeah, and Izzy hurt his hand, but Whitaker didn't hurt his hand, right? Like you're not attacking somebody's hand to hurt it. So I think without a doubt, Adesanya won this fight three rounds to five. I saw a couple of people saying, uh, because Whitaker was able to take him down a couple of times, he won the fight, but he didn't control at all. Like he took him down and Adesanya was so good got right back up right away every time. I don't even think Whitaker hit him when they were on the ground, right? Yeah, he got some he got some good uh good 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 stuff in, but to me, uh UFC is based off a a round basis. So you could dominate somebody, you know, for a round, but if somebody takes the other four rounds, they won the fight cuz you go off a round-based system. But that being said, the scorecard that gave Adesanya four rounds, I think that's crazy. I don't think Adesanya won four rounds, and I don't think that Whitaker won four rounds, as some people were saying either. But I look at it as Israel got the only really significant uh, strike in the first round, and he won the first round for sure. And if you watch the last two rounds, Whitaker uh, was on his back for about a good minute to a minute and a half of, the, of one of the rounds, and the rest of the rounds was just kind of them stalemating each other on the feet. So I think Whitaker takes round four, and round five I thought Whitaker took two. Um, but round two and three are the rounds that I, you have to look at very closely. And in my opinion, I think Adesanya won round two and I think Whitaker won round three. So I do have Robert Whitaker winning the fight three to two, but you have to, to be the champ, you got to beat the champ definitively. And I don't think he, Whitaker did that at all. He didn't do not much when he got Adesanya to the ground. Adesanya was usually right back up. Um, and on the feet, I think Adesanya had more power shots, but I think Whitaker won some more of the exchanges. With that being said though, uh, in the, in a UFC where, you got to be beat the champ to be the champ. I don't, I'm not mad at all. The Adesanya won the fight. I don't think it was some robbery. I think Adesanya, you can look at it and say Adesanya won the fight. And I think you can look at it and say Robert Whitaker won the fight, but watching the whole fight, I personally had Whitaker winning three to two, but I wasn't surprised, shocked, or mad at all. that Adesanya took it. Uh, but anybody who gives Whitaker four rounds or Adesanya four rounds is just crazy because they each won two rounds definitively. And I think that rounds two and three were close, but three was the closest of the fight. So whoever you got winning that round, uh, round three typically I think wins the fight so I can't remember all the rounds like right off the top of my head but yeah. I know for sure Adesanya definitely won the first round like you said definitely. for me I, I could have swore it was like maybe the second round that I thought Whitaker took at the moment I was like scoring it I could look back at my text with yeah. Adrian, but it was like I thought he won like the second round and like the fourth round maybe um, I can't remember exactly how the fight played out I was extremely tired I wanted <laughs> to go to sleep but I just wanted to watch the fight I fell asleep right after the fight was over. So, uh, you know, whatever. But I'm, I'm impressed, bro, that you got to watch the whole card and actually stood up. Because one, I know you to be going to bed early, usually, typically. And two, like, this is the first time you're texting me throughout a whole UFC card. And I was like, oh, damn, she just watched the UFC fight. So I think, is this something you'll watch more UFC in the future now? Like, you're going to be keeping on uh, track of it? Well, I'll definitely be watching more. You know, I, it's always something that I like. I think the problem with the UFC for me has always been trying to get into it when there's always so many other things going on on Saturdays that it's like, I feel like it's kind of limited to just be a Saturday night thing. You know, I feel like if if they branched out and sometimes did cards here and there, or you did like free cards during the weeknights or something, I don't know. I don't know how to get somebody like me into it more, but it just, sometimes I want to watch hockey. I know you watch the Miami heat game and me personally, I haven't watched a Maple Leaf game since December. So I was like, every single time they're on, I'm just like, I'm doing something else. Like I wanted to watch the fight card and I was like, I'm not going to watch the Maple Leaf game. I'm going to watch the fight card. So for me, it's just, it's finding this balance to find a way to actually watch it. Yeah. Because it's always something I really like, 
to watch. Yeah, so yeah, and 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 one last thing I also want to say about the Whitaker Asanya fight real quick is um. I think that Whitaker, if you watch the first fight Whitaker and Asanya had, Whitaker has improved drastically so much. He went on a three-fight winning streak. He's dominated everybody's fought. And Whitaker said it post-fight interview, and he's right. Him and Adesanya are miles ahead of everybody. And he said Adesanya knows it. And whoever Whitaker said he fights next, he's going to destroy, he thinks, in his opinion. Because who else is there for him to fight? He beat Robert Whitaker beat Jerry Cannon there already in dominant fashion. So if, if not Whitaker taking out Adesanya, I don't see anybody else taking out Adesanya in the middleweight division. He would have to go up and lose. But I would like to see a trilogy fight down the line uh, with Whitaker even hopefully getting even better than what he did this fight. Because Whitaker can definitely steal some rounds from Adesanya as we saw this fight. And if he even keeps on improving, it does, just doesn't let this get to him. He could he could come out and, and definitively win three rounds or even more so in the next trilogy fight if they have one. But Ad- he's going to have to get a rebound or two fight before he gets a trilogy fight. Well, I he... he... Just now started wrestling, right? I think if he kind of builds up that, because Adesanya is not one to ever get taken down, right? And he took. Oh, yeah, he's down. got really good. He's got really good takedown defense, and that's why Whitaker showed some great improvements. He got Whitaker or Adesanya got taken down like three times in that fight and got his back controlled. Yeah, and so it's like I feel like if he can just keep on working on the wrestling, he could probably surprise and be one of the first people to get Adesanya down and keep him down. Yeah, because no, it, it, well, it is impressive that he was able to take him down. But just for me, it just it's not as impressive because Adesanya got right back up. But, you know, yeah, again, that's, that's the perspective, you know. Um, so we're going to talk about this fight where when I when I first started watching the fight card, I told no, I'm rooting for all the underdogs. And uh, the fight was, you know, a similar name to Lewis. And Noah goes, no, not Lewis. And I was like, what do you mean? That's not even who's fighting. He's like, you don't know who Derek Lewis is. I'm like. No, who the hell's Derek Lewis? That has nothing to do with the, this fight right now. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to root for Ty Tuivasa because he's the underdog. <laughs> and uh, I'm going to let you take this one away, of course. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a, I became a Derek Lewis fan about the last couple of years. I just love he's funny. He's awesome. Uh, I think most people are Derek Lewis fan. A lot of people are Ty Tuivasa fans. So this was truly the definition of a fan fight. Ty Tuivasa is a very well guy or very well liked guy. And so is Derek Lewis. And I just think that um, these two together just made one, one of the best, oh, yeah, the shoe, one of the best fan, fan fights that we've seen in a while. Just, uh, and, and Houston, Derek Lewis's hometown, he lost there to Cyril Gunn. So he, maybe it just not works out for him fighting in his hometown. But Derek Lewis came out and he showed up round one, man. He had tied to me. He was landing some punches after he took tied to Ivasa down round one. We never see Derek Lewis take down, mix in some wrestling. And he did it with tied to Ivasa, which was impressive. It gave tied to Ivasa something else to worry about. He's like, oh, damn, it's not just a boxing match. He's taking me down now. And then when he's getting up, Derek Lewis was landing some big punches that I would probably finish 90% of any other fighter he was hitting with those punches. I know I would be out after like a little tap. So, um, but uh, other than that, man, Tai Tuivasa did what Jared Cannonier did, and he just, uh, he refreshed after the first round. He came out, and he, he started off. Uh, Derek Lewis looked like he might have get some more big punches, but he, he weathered the storm, and he, he showed Derek Lewis that he was going to sit there and box with him. And Derek Lewis has the most knockouts in UFC history. And for Tai Tuivasa to lay out Derek Lewis the way he did, and don't get me wrong, the punch before the elbow is what really had Derek Lewis hurt. Um, he hit him with two big punches that had Derek Lewis wobbling and hurt and stunned. But the elbow is just the icing on the cake for it. And and Tai Tuivasa is his shoey afterwards. Um, as you just showed the shoe, what he does afterwards. And that's just a big reason why he's a fan favorite. He got Dana White to do his shoey, which was awesome. So it, it, he's just, they're both cool guys. But for me, as a Derek Lewis fan, I'm honestly not upset. Because if you lose to somebody, Tai Tuivasa is like the one guy I could care less if you lost to. But um, I, I really was hoping to, Derek Lewis pulled off the win. Yeah, the, the, the whole shoe thing, right? Like... They're just going to end up as sick as I was. Like, for, for reference, I could not eat or drink for two days. <laughs> you drink out of some – he was drinking out of, uh, like, numerous people's shoes. Oh, yeah. He does it all. He's been doing that for a while. And then people put those shoes back on. Like, <laughs> that is so gross. <laughs> you might catch something for sure, brother. Yeah, he's going to end up like E. coli or something. Like, that's disgusting. But, you know, hey, you know. It is, it is, it's, it's fun to see something like that. It's really disgusting. But for me, I love heavyweight fights because it's always interesting. I always think, you know, I feel weird for saying like a fun knockout. Cause like, it's kind of brutal actually, but uh, you get kind of fun knockouts in, in the heavyweight class. And so, yeah, I totally thought Ty was done after that first round, but then it also looked like Lewis was kind of tired and, and for, uh, 
they, there's pretty big significant like age difference right like lewis yeah. was like lewis we, is pretty older yeah older. and taito ivasa kind of looked up to him and it was kind of exciting to fight him right so yeah. just for that alone i think it's cool that he was able to knock him out i think he said that in his post-fight interview like it's just so cool that he's the the knockout champion and, and i was able to knock him out so i think that's right cool. so you know yeah. And you, you actually you actually brought up a good point too and said Derek or Derek Lewis gas looked like he was tired at the end of the first because he gave all Derek Lewis is the type of person that when he goes 100 percent he gives it his all he gasses out um a, a lot of the times in his fight so he just he gassed out and uh, I think he was more just more tired just as much as he was hurt when he got punched he's like oh damn I'm tired and I'm hurt because he's been known to kind of give up some fights a little bit like when he's hurt like serial guy kind of hit him with the rib and just he was kind of tired and just kind of gave up more, but yeah, Derek Lewis is a is a beast. So anytime you knock out the knockout artist, man, it's crazy. All right, so we'll talk just uh, just briefly about some couple other fights that you know I thought were interesting because Noah Noah didn't watch the whole fight card, so I'm the UFC expert today. Uh, so that that first fight with uh, Nas Pratt and Bobby Green, I just you know I I really enjoyed. It. I I thought Bobby Green, I liked him. I kind of liked him uh, coming out. Uh, he just seemed like very cocky, but in like the kind of funny way. Yeah. And uh, it wasn't the greatest fight in the world, you know, by any stretch of imagination. But when Bobby Green won and he ended his, uh, he just took the mic and was like, basically in a nutshell, you know, fuck everybody. And whoever has ever messed with you in your life, tell him I said, fuck them too. And then just walked away. And I was like, yep, I like Bobby Green. So that's all I got for that fight. It was, it was interesting. Yeah, I heard it was a great fight. I gotta, I still gotta watch that fight on ESPN Plus. Um, I gotta catch that fight again. But uh, yeah, uh, Bobby has one of my favorite nicknames too. It's Bobby Knuckles. I just think it's hilarious. You can tell he's definitely a good guy, hilarious, funny guy. So, um, but yeah, he's uh, that was a big fight because Nasrat Hakparas is a really good fighter, and uh, he's kind of more of like the medium barrel type of fighter. Like he's not gonna, I don't see him being a champion, but he's gonna be like always fighting up and comer contenders or people that are good. But uh, yeah, this one was a big loss for him because uh, you know he's had some uh, crucial losses, but. This one's good for Bobby Knuckles. Yeah, one thing about this fight was just it. It I th I never thought it was like too close. I thought Bobby was controlling the whole fight, and his fight style I just thought was so interesting because I, I'm sure you've seen him fight before. I never have, of course. Hands down, the whole time, and yeah. talking the whole time. He's talking shit in the middle of the fight. He's got his hands down. He was a significantly older. So I remember saying uh, to Kayvon, I was like, "Yeah, he's." gonna get knocked out right like how are you gonna have your hands down the whole fight and not get knocked out um but he had the reach on him and he had the experience obviously so good fight uh the yep, next yep. one i'm gonna be completely honest i don't remember this fight all too well it was alexander hernandez versus uh renato moicano and uh moicano submitted uh hernandez it was actually i do remember the submission uh he had him in like this. I don't even know. I don't know the technical technical terms. He had him yeah, in like yeah. one lock, and then he like lost the lock, and then caught him in something else, and then was able to submit him like right before the round ended. I thought, and so uh -huh. I just thought, I just thought it was a cool submission. I no technical. I don't know what the words are. To, to I think I think he got up with the guillotine, uh, but I'm not. I'm not sure. I didn't watch that fight either. But yeah. I, I personally thought Alex Hernandez or Alex, Alexander Hernandez was going to come in and win this fight, um, but he's he won, like he, he lost to Donald Cerrone. If he, once he gets a pretty big name or or a guy that's kind of Renato Moicano is like Donald Cerrone, they've both been a, uh, around a while. So I feel like once he gets those big top uh, big name guys that have been around and had got way more experience in him, I feel like he kind of cracks under pressure. So this was one of those another one of those fights where you know he got submitted, but Renato Moicano's uh, Moicano is a great well rounded fighter. So I mean, not not embarrassing to lose to him at all. He's a, he's good unboxing is good submission artist so but um yeah Alex, i thought hernandez would have won this fight but moy kind of was showing that he's sticking around i actually i got it wrong i was thinking of a different fight he, he just submitted him normally the other yeah. fight it was a prelim fight <clears throat> i was going to talk about a couple late prelims and then we'll move on to the next topic but uh so the fight that i thought was probably one of the fights of the night was uh kyler phillips and uh marcelo rojo this fight was intense because Kyler Phillips came out and was dominating the fight. Well, at least the announcers wanted you to think that way, but I actually thought Rojo was doing pretty well. And they both knocked each other down a couple times. And this was the fight where uh, Phillips submitted him in the third round. Yeah. He had him in something else. And then uh, Rojo slipped, got out of it. 
and then he uh, Phillips immediately called him in something else and submitted him that way. And mm-hmm. I just I thought that was so intense. Like it was such a great fight. This is actually the only other fight I actually watched besides the other three because my dad's a Kyler Phillips fan. That's one of his boys. So um, I thought it was cool the way he bounced back. Uh, he gassed his fight against Raleon Paiva, the guy who just lost to uh, Sean O'Malley in his last fight. But uh, yeah, so I thought that he came out and bounced back in this fight and was looked good, you know, uh, started off good. It was kind of closer in the middle. And then I thought he took control way in the third round. So I think Phillips uh, came out and bounced back against Rojo, but I think he needs another big name guy after this. Like Paiva's not a big name, but He's kind of middle tier. I want to see Phillips get another another good fight because I think he beat Paiva. It was a close, controversial call last fight. But um, I'd like to see Phillips get another uh, mediocre big name because I think uh, he could be pretty talented if he can get his cardio up there. Yeah, and uh, there was – I know there was at least one fight. I can't remember which one it was now that I look at it. I'm looking at some of the early prelims and prelims. But there was one fight where the favorite was kind of dominating and then uh, – the other guy came back. I think it might have been this one. So uh, we got Sergey Morachov Moroch- uh, versus uh, Douglas Silva de Andrade. Andrade. Yeah, I'm pretty sure this is the one where Andrade was kind of getting worked and then kind of took it at the end. Um, I can't remember for sure. There was one more fight I really wanted to talk about, though. Um, unless you have some other fights you wanted to bring up. And, and, and I don't know if this is the one you're talking about, but I'd like to say shout out to Roxanne Matafari, who's an inspiration, a woman. Uh, most around all the world, she's just how, just how her character is, how good of a person she is. And losing to Casey O'Neill in her last fight, 25 and 21, a veteran of the game, retires. But shout out to her as well. She's an uh, inspiration to many. No, that was the fight I wanted to bring up. I just thought oh. it was really fun. She, I, I didn't know, I, of course, not know who she was. But uh, the announcers were like, you know, she's a submission person. She takes people to the ground. But she wanted it to be an all-out brawl. And I just thought it was yeah. so much fun. And uh, it was a great fight. She definitely didn't win, but uh, it was still intense. And uh, she definitely got the send-off she deserved. The crowd, yeah, I, the crowd wanted her to win so bad. It was crazy. Oh, yeah. I love her, man. And she was, she's announced a forward fight. She's going to be retiring. And she always comes with the weigh-ins, with the hairdo, always looking cool and in style. And uh, I love Roxanne, man. Like I said, she's an inspiration to many, especially females around the world. And uh, just really cool person. Uh, one of the few... Uh, just like, I mean, in UFC, you get so many egos. I mean, most sports you do. And she's just to be so humble and classy as Roxanne is, you know, it's really cool. And you always got like the hometown, you know, when a ho- like so many people are rooting for you so heavy, especially in a retirement fight that you, you've you done the sport well and you've done people well. So she definitely deserved it and got her good send off. I wish she would have won too, but Casey O'Neill is a beast too. Yeah. And then at the end, Casey O'Neill was like, if you guys want me to be the, the villain, I'll be the villain. She was like, quit booing me. Right. <laughs> All right. So we're just going to talk a little bit about uh, NFL awards for the 2021, 2022 season. Um, we're going to talk about the hall of fame a little bit too. Nothing like crazy that we're going to have to talk about too much. A lot of the guys who won the awards deserved it, but uh hall of fame one in particular got snubbed. So let's get into that. Noah. Um, I'm going to pull up the, uh, the list of awards right here. And I think without a doubt, we both knew this was going to happen. Defensive player of the year won by uh, TJ Watt. Uh, so I don't know if you want to talk a little bit about that. Otherwise, I can ju- I can read through the whole list first if you want. Go ahead. Okay. So um, the rookie of the year, Jamar Chase, that makes perfect sense. Kicker of the year, Justin Tucker. He, I mean, he made a 66-yard field goal. That makes sense. Uh, the offensive rookie of the year, uh, Jamar Chase again. The Offensive Player of the Year, Cooper Cup, all of this stuff makes perfect sense. Uh, defensive Rookie of the Year, uh, Micah Parsons, that makes perfect sense. He played great this year. Um, let's get to the Comeback Player of the Year, Joe Burrow. That's another one, a perfect fit. Um, I could, I'm sure there was a couple other Comeback Players of the Year, but that man tore his ACL and then got his team to the Super Bowl. There's not there, – that is one thing. If you win the Super Bowl or you make it to the Super Bowl or even make it to the playoffs, you have a better chance of getting an award. An award. Mm-hmm. Um, coach of the year, assistant coach of the year, Dan Quinn, I, I guess. I don't really have too many opinions on that. Their defense is okay this year. Um, let's get to unstoppable performance of the year, Joe Burrow versus the Chiefs in week 17. Oh, those are, that's very specific. Uh, sack leader, uh, TJ Watt, um, let's get to the MVP. Who was the MVP? Oh yeah, it was Aaron Rodgers. 
So we'll talk a little bit about those. I'll let Noah start with TJ Watt, and then I got some thoughts on uh, Aaron Rodgers winning MVP. I mean, TJ Watt, I think we kind of talked to me, did like a preview on who we thought would win. I like to go back and kind of rewatch that just to see everything we said. I think most of it we got right. It's not everything because it was pretty obvious this year. But TJ Watt, I think, was about the most as obvious as it gets when it comes to defensive player of the year. The sack record speaks for itself. And if anybody was was gonna was gonna get it for MVP uh, for a defensive player like throughout the years, I thought TJ Watt had a good chance of taking MVP. I'd still like to see like a big time defensive guy take the MVP award. Like, and I thought TJ Watt could have got the job done for that. But it's very unlikely. It's gonna most likely be a running back, receiver, quarterback. But um, I would have liked to see TJ Watt get MVP. Um, of course, you know there's bigger names and, and bigger like a lot of people say bigger positions. But TJ Watt deserves defensive player of the year, and I'm glad he got it. But my opinions on it, man, was I like to see him uh, break the record officially instead of just tying it. So hopefully he can break it next year and get it again. But uh, he's going to be a force to be reckoned with, man. He's like he's like a one-man wrecking machine. You could have 10 rookies on, on that defense, but DJ Watt's still going to get make some plays and double-teamed or not. He's just a great defensive player, and I look forward to him being on the Steelers as he signed a big five-year contract. So I look forward to him getting some more game-winning plays for the Steelers throughout the seasons coming up. Yeah, I pulled up our uh, our fifth episode. That's where we talked about our previews of who we thought was going to win awards. And I have no clue how to read my own notes. <laughs> That's uh, me too. Uh, I think I think I think I got it on the top. I think I don't, I don't know. I think you definitely had T.J. Watt, Jonathan Taylor, and oh, Cooper Cup. I think I had Cup, uh, Taylor, and uh, Perriman. I don't know. I'm not really sure what that's all about, but I mean, we definitely had Watt in our conversation for who we thought was going to win. Oh, definitely. Um, he definitely deserved uh, at least defensive player of the year. Now I'll talk about Aaron Rodgers for a second here. This makes zero sense. The guy had a thousand yards. This is coming from somebody who doesn't like Tom Brady. He had a thousand yards less than Tom Brady. Okay. He did not have the greatest of seasons and it just, it makes zero sense that he won uh mvp it should have been cooper cup it should have been uh tj watt it should have been even tom brady i think it would have made perfect sense to give it to tom brady it's final year aaron Rodgers did not have the best the, the best season this year and i think i have a theory behind this i have a conspiracy um mvp voting is based off of fans right or is it it's it's based off of it's based off of writers isn't it it's like i think it's it's probably a little bit of both. I'm not. I'm not too sure on the exact uh, specifics. If I was like, wait, it's it's based off of fans, but I actually think it's based off of writers. If that's the case, they they're just wrong. But if it was fans, I thought it was like a bunch of Green Bay fans were just like, we have to vote. We have to get Rogers MVP so that he doesn't leave us. But uh, I don't know. It it makes zero sense. They need yeah. to do what the, the NBA does. Like the coaches will vote. They'll have every coach in the league vote, and I think that would be pretty fair. Yeah, and like the NHL, like players vote, like coaches yeah. and players. I think they have a, they're gonna have a better idea than like some dorky sports writer, like you know me or you, or uh, <laughs> or uh, you know fans even. You know the the players and the coaches are gonna know best. I I think that uh, if anybody deserved MVP, I would say the best offensive player was Cooper Cup and the best defensive was T.J. Watt. So I thought it should have been one of those two. But without being without being biased, I would have gave it to Cooper Cup. I think he deserved it more than just about anybody the way the performance he had, but it would have been nice to see TJ Watt get it. I wouldn't have disagreed or argued that either. So one of those two, I thought deserved it more than anything. You don't really see defensive players get it though. So I would have said a Cooper cup. Both of those guys had like record-breaking seasons. Like so yeah. TJ Watt tied a record in, in the same amount of games or less. Less. And uh, Cooper cup was like, maybe like give or take 50 yards away from breaking the receiving record. Yeah, which was also we already talked about this, but Matthew Stafford to Calvin Johnson, Matthew Stafford to Cooper Cup, but uh, they both almost broke records, like big records that are never going to be touched. Right, and they could do it again next season. So, <laughs> if they do it again next season and they still give it to like Aaron Rodgers or Russell Wilson or something, the league is just like quarterback rigged. Yeah, and, and I think I think if T.J. Watt has a healthy. Seven full healthy 17 game season, which isn't fair, it's an extra game. I think he will break the record if he has a because he missed like three games this year. I think Strahan did it in what was it 14? 
or 14 games and TJ Watt did it in 13 or 14. I want to say, cause he missed three games and one of them, I don't think he, I think he, I think he missed three or four. It might've missed four, but in three for sure. So I think he tied it or had one less game. Yeah. I had something to say, but I totally forgot. All right. If it comes back, I'll bring it up. How TJ uh, Watt has the same name as you. TJ Watt has a great freaking name. <laughs> the best thing. He has the best name. All right. So the Hall of Fame, I'll just read off uh, who made it into the Hall of Fame, and then I'm going to briefly talk about why Devin Hester was snubbed. <laughs> so the class of 2022, we've got Bryant Young, Tony Bunselli, Richard Seymour, Sam Mills, Leroy Butler, Cliff Branch, Dick Vermel, uh, Art McNally, and that was it. I mean, I'm not going to be like, I'm not going to be the guy who's like, oh, this guy shouldn't have made it in. So I'm not going to be like, this is, who should have been replaced by Hester, but I'm just saying, I just want to say really quick, Devin Hester, the greatest return man in all of football, broke Deion Sanders' record, has two more returns than Deion Sanders, was not a first ballot Hall of Famer. When you have somebody who owns that type of record, they should automatically be a first ballot Hall of Famer. So I think he'll make it in next year. I think people will see their flaw in not adding him in. But that would be like, you know, Tom Brady. He's the best quarterback ever. Okay. If he doesn't make the first ballot Hall of Fame, that makes zero sense. Devin Hester was the greatest return man of all time. Him not getting first ballot Hall of Fame just makes no sense. I know it's a different comparison, but uh, maybe if we compare it to like running backs, like Emmett Smith didn't get the first ballot Hall of Fame, or Walter Payton when he retired, he was leading the league in rushing. If neither of those guys are first ballot Hall of Famers, there's uproar, right? Devin Hester, 21 returns, should have made the first ballot Hall of Fame. I rest my case. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Uh, and I think special teams is very overlooked and kind of disrespectful to overlook every position is important in the NFL, from linemen to quarterback to you know, every position to the kick holder. So that can that can change a game just from the uh, kick holder. So, but it's so I think, last night. yeah, and exactly, extra point. So I think that um, every position is important and the, for it to be number one with the record and something, you should probably be first ballot. So I agree. Yeah. And it's like, I, I saw this little stat line. It was uh, the number one team with the most return touchdowns in the last, like, you know, 20 years or so Chicago bears with 30. And then number two was Devin Hester with 21. Devin Hester had like 19 or 20 with the bears. He had a couple yeah. with the Falcons and then the third team had like 17. So that yeah. just goes to show you he's outdoing most other teams in the league. Uh-huh. And since he's retired, the Bears have maybe had like, well, I mean, they would have had nine return touchdowns since he left. They would be at the bottom of the, the list without Hester. <laughs> so like literally the Bears had 30 just because of Hester. He led yeah. them. So um, yeah, and uh, really quick too. These are the these are, this is the official list of guys who didn't make it into this Hall of Fame. Uh, so Andre Johnson, Andre Ocho, Ocho Cinco, uh, Terry Holt, Reggie Wayne, Demarcus Ware, Jared Allen, Patrick Willis. That's that's a big list of people right there, you know. And, and you know, I'm not saying every one of them should have made it in, but it's a pretty big list. Definitely, yeah. No. There's big players that'll be in eventually, no matter what. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. 